0: Hi, and welcome back to This Week in Voice, Season 2, Episode 19. Today is June 7th, 2018. This is the next-to-last episode in Season 2 of This Week in Voice. We're looking forward to a special season finale next week. Uh, We'll have a special press release about that on Monday, so watch out for that. My name is Bradley Metrock. I'm CEO of a company called Score Publishing based here in Nashville, Tennessee. Our sponsor for This Week in Voice, as well as the Voice First Roundtable, another Voice First FM show, is Voice XP, a St. Louis-based developer of Alexa Skills and Google Home Actions. I've talked about Voice XP the whole season of This Week in Voice. I talk about them frequently. When I'm not on This Week in Voice, if you're looking for a company that can help you navigate these waters of voice technology, help you develop an Alexa skill, a Google Home Action, a voice presence for you, your organization, whatever the case may be, um, look them up. Uh, Bob Stolzberg, Bonnie Snyder, Mark Tucker, the whole crew. They're great, highly recommended. Look them up, have a conversation. You'll be glad that you did. We've got a great panel today. This is a special episode previewing the 2019 Alexa Conference taking place January 15th through the 17th in Chattanooga, Tennessee, a place that most people don't know has the fastest internet in the nation and is a very progressive, tech-oriented sort of place. Two people who will be speaking as part of that join us today. Our first guest is Dave Kemp. Dave, say hello. Hey there, Bradley. Thanks for having me on. Thanks for joining us, Dave. So you are business development manager for Oak Tree Products. Share with us a little bit what you do and what Oak Tree Products does.
1: Yeah, um, so Oak Tree Products is a distributor of um, clinical supplies and medical devices to the hearing healthcare professional. Um, So the way I kind of got involved into voice and all this was noticing that um, with a lot of the Bluetooth hearing aids that are kind of coming to market, all of the boom and curables, um, you know, the one of the major use cases that I'm kind of envisioning is uh, smart assistance and smart assistant integration. Um, so, you know, with Amazon's mobile accessory kit that they introduced in January, um, making it really easy for third party manufacturers to integrate Alexa into their devices, I think the writing's on the wall. And so, um, you know, just trying to kind of get my my head around what all this means, how this is all going to kind of take shape, and then uh, try to kind of communicate that back to my industry and say, hey, this is some really cool stuff
0: that you know will provide a tremendous amount of value um, to your patient base. I love what y'all do. I love the term hearables, just the concept of there being such a thing as that and integrating voice into that. Thank you for joining us today. Yeah, thank you. Our next guest is Keisha Williams. Keisha, say hello.
2: Hello, everyone. Thanks for
0: having me, Bradley. Thank you for joining us, Keisha. So Keisha, you will be keynoting the Alexa conference taking place in 2019. We're thrilled about that. You are a software engineer for Chick-fil-A and you've been featured on Amazon's own Alexa developer blog. You're here, there and everywhere. Tell us about what you do and tell us about uh, your job with Chick-fil-A.
2: Sure, so I've been in IT for about 23 years now. The last 13 of those I've worked in the IT department at Chick-fil-A. And for those of you who have not heard Chick-fil-A, we have the best chicken sandwich in the world. (laughs) And like Bradley said, I am a software engineering manager there. So our team focuses on building custom solutions used by corporate staff in support of our operator, restaurant operators and customers. And there's a, a small percentage of my role where I'm able to lead innovation teams. So we have an innovation center and we research a lot of cool emerging technology like voice first, machine learning, facial recognition, et cetera. And through that work, um, we prototyped three Amazon Alexa skills for used by our restaurant operators and our customers. And then just outside of work, I'm very active in the voice-first space. So I've created and developed several Alexa skills and I've also
0: worked with Actions on Google Home. That's pretty impressive. And for anyone who's listening who doesn't know what Chick-fil-A is, you just, you need to pause this right now, Uh, (laughs) go to Google, Um, better yet, skip Google, just get in the car, drive to the nearest one and go find out, Uh, (laughs) um, we just, you, you've got more pressing issues than listening to this show right now, Um, (laughs) Tisha, thank you for joining us.
2: My pleasure, happy to be here.
0: With that, we'll get to the news. And our number one story this week is our VoiceBot.ai story of the week. VoiceBot.ai, giving voice to a revolution, a great website for voice technology news, commentary, and original research. The U.S. smart speaker market share is 62% Amazon, 27% Google, 4% Apple, 4% Sonos, 3% Other. And... This article talks about a number of things and is pretty fascinating just to get a current snapshot of what's going on. And Keisha, I want to start with you. With this article and looking at the current picture of U.S. smart speaker market share, what stands out to you? What, what were your takeaways as you looked at this?
2: I was surprised to see that sales for Amazon – Yes, their sales are slowing down. Um, That was surprising because they still have a huge market share, but it seems like Google um, Home device is taking some of that market share, and Google is really on the rise. So that was um,
0: a bit of a surprise to me. The aspect of the article that called out 4% market share for Apple You know, you mentioned at the top, you've been involved with Alexa, you know, you were featured by Amazon's own developer blog, Um, you're involved with Google. You know, this article presents the 4.1% market share for Apple as a positive. Do you agree with that? Uh, Do you see Apple getting closer to where it becomes relevant for a developer like yourself? Or what's the gap there? How much more work do they need to do before they get on your radar?
2: Well, in my mind, when I saw that four point one percentage that 's very low and f- from a developer perspective, for me it's just it 's easier to work with Amazon, Alexa, and building skills and building actions for the Google home device. So when I think about voice technology i don 't think about Apple, and so that 's just my you know my personal opinion from a development perspective. So, Apple would really need to show developers the tools and how easy it would be to develop apps for their device.
1: So, for me, um, a couple of things going through my mind. You know, uh, as Brett pointed out in the article, it's you know it's pretty impressive that uh, I guess Apple captured four percent of the market share. A lot of people thought it was going to be. Quite a bit less than that. Um, But at the same time, you know, I look at this, and for me, the big story here is Google. You know, I think you look at this, and it's like January to May of 2018. So in four months, they went from 8.5 to 26.9% share. So clearly, Google is like grabbing a ton of this share. And I would imagine a large chunk of that is from Amazon. Um, And for me, you know, that's an Amazon's. Perspective. I guess that's pretty concerning, but I think Amazon, you know, their play here is pretty obvious with their smart speakers currently, um, being that it's, I think, really designed for uh, the prime shoppers to to shop more. You know, you look at, like, uh, there was an article on VoiceBot not long ago that mentioned how prime shoppers using Alexa order more CPG items. And I think that's kind of the nature of what Amazon's driving at is to change the way that we shop where you order things more frequently. Oh, I noticed I need this, or I'm going to add this to my grocery list. And you're constantly just kind of ordering things because it's so frictionless to do. For me, it's like, okay, so, you know, yeah, Google probably grabs and share from them. But really, the one that needs to be really concerned here is Apple, because um, I would be really curious, and I would maybe, you know, VoiceBot might even have uh, data that goes to this, but I'd be really curious to know how much of those 26.9% are iOS users. And the reason is, you know, if you look at Apple's ecosystem, it's never really been that threatened by anything that Google's done. You know, I'm i I'm a time iPhone user and I've never really felt compelled to make the switch back in the day when it was all the Samsung phones and you had like new cameras and new things like that. Great. But I'm going to stick with the ecosystem that I have because it's just, it's easier. And um, I'm, I'm, I have apathy. I don't have any real compelling reason to make the switch. Google Assistant is, I think, the first time where it's actually starting to be a compelling reason to leave the Apple ecosystem. And that has to be really, really scary for Apple. And I think, I don't want to get too much down into the Apple rabbit hole now, because I know we're going to talk about them again on the third story. But, you know, it awfully, it it seems like this is sort of this existential threat that, I just don't think they're taking that serious. This data here to me really suggests that Google is grabbing the market share that Apple should be also you know, involved with. And I think you know, going off of what Keisha just said, I don't even think developers are considering developing for, for Siri. Um, and that's so crazy to me because... The iPhone, in the success of the App Store, it was all predicated on third-party developers. And it's like they've kind of shut out the developers here. And so to me, that's the big story here is that, yeah, it's great. They have 4.1% of market share, and they've done a little bit better than people thought. But you look at this, and it's like Apple's almost irrelevant right now in this space. So my two cents.
0: No, I agree with you. You know, I've I've said over and over again, Apple is... They're just not competitive. And it's just very jarring for a longtime Apple fan like me to look at this data that shows there's two other companies out there that comprise, having to do math real quick, 89% <laughs> 89% of the market, according to this report. And we're supposed to believe that Apple is doing a good job and that they're relevant, um, even when they're tied with Sonos, which is just a, a much more niche company than Apple is. So I'm not buying it, I'm selling it. Apple still has a lot of work to do, and you're right, we'll talk about this more on the third story, but but it's always good to see a glimpse of this. Let me ask you one more question for both of y'all before we move on to the next story. Google has had an incredible year, Uh, started off with CES, they advertised everywhere. They just really hit home run after home run after home run this year and have caught up. Uh, The numbers bear it out right here in this report. I want to ask both of you, and Keisha, I'm going to start with you. If it's 62% Amazon, 27% Google, 4% Apple right now, in let's say one one year's time, 12 months from now, next summer, what, in your opinion, do you think those three numbers are? Give me, give me your, best, uh, your best prediction on Amazon, Google, and Apple's market share in the United States smart speaker market uh, a year from now.
2: So maybe for Apple, a year from now, maybe 6 or 7%. And Amazon, so today Amazon, you said it's 62%. Maybe... A year from now, maybe in the '50s, 54, 55, 56 ish, I definitely see Google continuing to grow in this space, so more than likely, maybe 30 in the, somewhere in the 30's.
0: Okay, so you that 36. <laughs> Okay, yeah, so you're not that bullish on Apple. You think Google's going to continue to grow, and, and it's going to be at Amazon's expense. Definitely. Okay, That's interesting. Uh, Dave, what do you think? Give me three numbers. Amazon a year from now, Google a year from now, Apple a year from now.
1: I think I'm, I'm pretty much in line with Keisha. I think Apple will grow a little bit um, inevitably just due to their retail presence and their marketing efforts. Um, I think Amazon, just because they had such a large lead to begin with, I think that that will kind of come back down. So I, I would guess it will probably be like Apple 7%. Google, like 34%, and then you know, pretty much everything else will be Amazon, whatever that would put them at. Apple might sell quite a bit of the HomePods, but they might still go down in market share just because Google and Amazon are selling so many more speakers because they're these $30 speakers that you can buy.
0: Well, and that's true. And so and that's an entirely different conversation on how much market share they should be going after. Yeah, that's a good, that's a great point. So yeah, it sounds like y'all are in consensus that this is a trend that's going to continue. Apple's going to keep growing a little, Google's going to grow a lot for right now, and Amazon's just going to have to fend them off with a stick however they can.
2: Yeah, I definitely feel like Amazon has to find a way to appeal to new users. Um, in the article, they mentioned that a lot of sales for Amazon goes to existing users. So yep. Amazon is just going to have to figure out how to appeal to
0: new users. With that, we'll move to story number two. I let Amazon's Echo Look choose my clothes for a week. This is an interesting piece uh, for Business Insider. Dave, I'll just start with you right off the bat. Echo Look has been talked about for a while. It's been in beta or prototype stage or available to only a certain number of people or invite only or whatever you want to call it. And now it's available to the public. What was your take from the article? And do you think this device is different enough to open up new aspects of the voice-first market? Or is this just sort of Amazon continuing to grossly invade privacy?
1: (laughs) So, you know, this is probably one of the few things in this area that I don't think is going to be a success for Amazon. Um, I know why they're doing it. And I think it's probably pretty obvious. You know, they want you to buy more retail through or more apparel through, um, through Amazon, and therefore, you know, help to further encourage all of the third-party uh, vendors to sell all of their stuff through Amazon. You know, hey, uh, whoever, you're, you're going to want to make sure that your stuff's on the Amazon platform because um, you're missing out on all of these customers that you know, and all of these recommendations that we make based on um, people's looks, are uh, you know, based on the machine learning that we have through this system that makes recommendations. Um, I just, it's sort of like what the, uh, the, the author of that article pointed out. It's like, you know, it's nice, but it's not, I don't think that it's, there's enough value tied to it. And I think it's, it's pretty expensive. The speaker itself is like the speaker of a smartphone. So it's not really a very powerful speaker. So I don't know, you know, and it, the the other thing to always keep in mind with Amazon is that whenever they do a device, it tends to sort of be like a precursor to something next. And, you know, Amazon obviously has this, uh, fixation on apparel. They, they want to dominate that category. Um, given that it's one of the, one of the categories that I don't think they, uh, currently have a stranglehold on, you know, in terms of their e-commerce business, like they do with so many other categories. Um, and so I kind of look at this as an attempt for them to do that. Um, you know, maybe down the line, it, turns into something where it's like a you know, full blown apparel delivery service where, you know, you factor in all the stuff they have with um, you know, their acquisition with uh blanket on the name, but the one that allows for you to um, like have it so that the delivery man can open your door so that you're constantly having clothes, you know, sent to you based on these recommendations. Like I think that's probably it the yeah, Amazon Key. I think that's probably the vision here is somehow tying those two together. Um, but currently, as it is, I don't think that many people are going to latch onto this. Um, so maybe down the line it will, but that's kind of how I interpreted this.
0: Okay. And Keisha, from your vantage point, what do you think about this device? And is this something that you would personally be interested in or, or now nah, pass? So
2: I'm always Well, I'm a huge fan of Amazon because they
0: always have a lot
2: of cool and innovative ideas. And for me, this is a cool and innovative idea, but would I actually use this device at the price point? Probably not. Now, what I do find intriguing um, is the machine learning behind the program. So I don't know how... Good. The device is at you know making recommendations based on the article. It looks at there's the style check feature that looks at current trends and makes recommendations on that. But because it's using machine learning, the more data that it has, and over time, I expect it to become smarter um, and better at making recommendations. So I think it's a, a neat and cool, innovative idea from a practical perspective. I would not use it um, because of the price point. But then I do wonder also about the demographics of who's
0: actually buying and and using this product. The first time I saw this was last year, you know, because as I mentioned, this device has been sort of floating out in space for a while, uh, unavailable to the public, but available to audiences that Amazon wanted to get it to. What struck me about it was, uh, I mean, I'm not, I'm not in the target market for this device, I don't think. (laughs) I don't feel like I am. Uh, maybe Maybe I'm wrong, but what I was struck by is the other potential applications that this hardware could have. And Keisha, it's exactly in line with what you're saying, sort of the machine learning behind it. And I think about healthcare, and I think about the value that a device, a voice first device with a camera looking at you on a daily basis could bring to healthcare. I mean, there's obvious things like, you know, just watching your weight and, you know, a camera looking at you every day is going to have, you know, you can get on the scale of course, but you know, a camera looking at you every day is going to be able to give you real time feedback on different aspects of your, your physical health that uh, could be valuable. And I also think things like melanoma, you know, where the way we treat that, is uh, simply looking at your skin. You go in front of a doctor and they look at your skin periodically. um, And that's how we treat that. The Echo Look could be incredibly valuable um, in early detection of that among many other uh, diseases and things. So I'm pretty excited about the other applications that have nothing to do with fashion of of what Amazon has created here. And I'll be interested to see how quickly the marketplace uh, begins to explore some of the other possibilities.
1: You make a really good point. And and honestly, maybe this is their Trojan horse, if you will, to not scare people off. You know, you give them this use case where you say, well, you know, we're going to take pictures of you, but it's for making recommendations around your fashion. Um, But really the ulterior underlying use case here is just like you described, you know, it's going to be things like every single day you kind of analyze your body or whatever it might be. And it allows for you to kind of um, log data, if you will, and then access that data and and analyze it for you. I, I think there's a tremendous amount of potential there. You know, we always talk about how much data we're sharing, all this data, but it's like, who's actually, how are we actually actioning off of that? And I think that that's going to be one of the ways that this whole technology will just kind of become more and more relevant is that taking this macro amount of data that we're sharing and then actually making sense of it for the user.
0: Moving on to story number three from Fast Company regarding WWDC 2018. series. next frontier is human intelligence, not artificial intelligence. This article talks about how Apple just got done showing off at their WWDC conference that the immediate short-term changes they're bringing to Siri are primarily involving how users of their mobile devices and users of their various devices can program Siri to do different tasks for them. That's the basis of Siri Shortcuts. It was sort of the underlying philosophy of a lot of what they showed uh, during their main press conference that was part of that event. Keisha, I'm going to start with you. You know, we talked about Apple a little bit at the front of the show. What's your takeaway from what Apple showed at WWDC with this and just the concept of the next frontier for Apple's voice assistant being more human-driven rather than anything that Apple does uh, behind the scenes?
2: So when I read this article and I read about the shortcuts, for me, I wasn't really impressed. Uh, I do think this is just Apple's attempt at trying to get more of the market share in the voice space. But shortcuts, I mean, it's very similar to features um, like routines that's already available in in Amazon Alexa. I just wasn't impressed because, like I said, the these features are, are already available um, in other services. I agree. I, I was not
1: that impressed either. And honestly, you know, looking at the whole WWDC this year, it's just like, I can't help but get the sense that Apple's kind of lost. Um, you know, it was really random. There was just, it just felt random. There there were so many different things that they were introducing that didn't really, there didn't seem to be an overall theme. Um, You know, they're constantly trying to throw jabs at Google. You know, oh, only 6% of Google um, Android users are updated on their most recent uh, Android iOS or Android OS. So it's constantly kind of like deflecting and saying, well, look at this and look at that. And, you know, so it's like with this, Great you know it's more or less like ifTtt and and I think that with that it's like are we really expecting I, i'm sure there will be users out there that will go and they'll program shortcuts and it will be great, but the vast majority of users aren't going to like go and create these shortcuts. I think that in order for this to actually become something meaningful across the whole user base, it has to it has to be done in a way like Google's has done where with their slices and apps actions. Um, it allows for you to like, it's super robust and, it, and it's really intuitive and it's really uh, proactive. It, it like prompts you to say, um, you know, you, you type in like Lyft and, or, or Uber in Google and it's deeply, deeply integrated in there so that it suggests, like, do you want to order an Uber and we know where you are. And so the contextual information is just, it seems like ultimately right now, Google is so much further ahead of Apple. And it's like Apple, they're, it's it's sort of this like weird uh, dichotomy that they have because it's like they're on one hand in their most, they're they're in their heyday right now. They're making, you know, their profitability is insane and they're milking the cash cow for all that it's worth. But on the other hand, you're looking like, okay, so what's next? And I don't think Apple would be able to really tell you that. You know, they say, well, AR and all of these different things. And now they're using Siri as sort of a catch-all um, for you know, like anything that's AI related is now Siri. And I just, I look at all of this and I think that I was really underwhelmed by the whole WWDC this year. Um, I thought maybe this would be the year where Siri was the big emphasis and it really wasn't. I thought maybe we would get like a Siri OS or something along the lines that like Brian uh, has been really kind of like pushing for and saying this is the direction that you need to go. And I just... I can't help but feel like Apple is, uh, they're lost right now. They're kind of lost in the woods. I don't think they know really where they're headed, what their future entails, other than we're going to continue to try to milk the iPhone for as much as we possibly can.
0: I will say, I think that the Siri shortcuts, I can see there being applications within the context of some of the other changes that Apple is making. Like right now, it's something else that I follow closely. They're making a lot of changes to the iBook store. They're calling it Apple Books. They're changing that whole thing around. Um, There could be some interesting applications there. But you're right, it it does sort of come across as a power user-ish sort of thing that might be a little bit above what the normal iPhone user is interested in doing. And then Keisha, it's just interesting to hear you note as well that, well, this, you know, Alexis had this for some time, who cares? I agree with the consensus as well that WWDC was just, it was sort of flailing about, it was, yeah, it was lacking an overall sort of coherence to it. To me, from what I saw, the main story coming out of WWDC was it had actually nothing to do with Apple. It had to do with Facebook and that Apple was going to, um, with iOS 12, make it to where, Facebook can't track you on the internet, as if that's some sort of feature, you know. Um, so that, that, uh, to me, that, that really said a lot. It's interesting to hear y'all's perspective on that. Story number four from VentureBeat, and this is interesting uh, on several levels to me. Uh, Sonos debuts their Beam soundbar with Google Assistant, Alexa, and Siri all integrated within it. So not one, not two, but three voice assistants. Um, We've seen some things like this before. I'm interested to hear y'all's opinion on this. And Dave, I want to start with you. Number one, does this device appeal to you in any way? Number two, do you think that this is the future, having multiple voice assistants crammed into one product, like clowns coming out of a car or do you think there's some, <laughs> some some sort of other vision for the future? Share with me your thoughts as you looked at this.
1: So for number one, yeah, this definitely appeals to me. I'm a big fan of Sonos. I, I have a few Play Ones and the, the soundbar in my house. So I'm a big fan. And I think that, you know, this is uh, kind of comes right off the heels of the uh, Xbox announcement about how you'll be able to choose from different assistants there. And I think epitomizes where we're at and where we're going is that I think people are going to have a choice. I, I really do. I think that for the large uh, vast majority of the, the third party devices in particular, I think that they'll come with integration uh, and, and allow for people to choose between Google, Alexa, Siri, whoever else might be. Um, so I, I think that we're at that point now uh, where again, you know, you're kind of going uh, back to the whole question of, who has the most superior assistant and which ones do people prefer? And I think that's why it's so important, you know, for, and I think why Amazon and Google were racing so fast to uh, grab share. I mean, like, you know, you look at Google home mini and those things cost like 30 bucks for them to manufacture and they're selling them for like $18. So if you buy them in a bundle Um, and so I think that just kind of is representative of the fact that right now the, incentive is not to sell a whole bunch of devices. The incentive is to get your assistant exposed to as many people as possible so that they prefer to use that um, as it becomes more and more accessible through all of these different devices that are becoming connected.
2: So when I first saw the title and I read the article, I thought to myself, wow, I definitely want this. Um, So it definitely appeals to me. Um, I really think it's a huge selling point to have all three integrated in, into one. And so from a Sonos perspective, just being able to sell this product to a huge array of people, I think it's, it's a good idea for them to integrate all three. I did notice, though, that currently only Alexa is available and they plan to roll out support for Siri and Google Assistant sometime later this year. So I definitely like to see them add in Siri and Google Assistant before I would consider buying
0: it. Interesting. Yeah, well, I think that makes three for three because I love the look of this thing. I'm very interested in it as well. I am fascinated by this um, conflict This has come up on This Week in Voice before. I think there was a Samsung TV or something, some sort of Samsung device um, or some sort of TV that had Alexa and Google Assistant integrated into it. And of course, my memory is terrible. I don't remember what that was. But we've talked, this has come up before, and it appeals from a marketing standpoint to the end user because the natural thought is, okay, well, this is going to be more useful than it just... And if it just had Alexa in it, it's got Google Assistant in it. Or, you know, I'm glad that it has more than Google Assistant. I want Alexa and Siri there. But that's also such a double-edged sword for the the marketing teams behind these products because the message that that is sending is, hey, you, Alexa's not good enough. So we're going to cram Google Assistant and Siri in there too. And Alexa will never be good enough. So it's really important that we have all these other voice assistants in there, and same thing for Siri, same thing for Google Assistant, uh, you know, Hey Marketplace. None of these assistants gets it done. Okay, they're just not uh, they're not good enough by themselves. So we have taken it upon ourselves to uh, insert, <laughs> um, you know, create this sort of revolving door of voice assistants uh, to where you can choose. It, it's a real marketing problem, and. It actually, to be honest, it surprises me to some degree that these companies allow it to happen. I think there's probably an interesting story behind the scenes there if we knew the truth. And, you know, right now, as has been discussed on this show and other Voice First FM shows, as well as will be discussed at the Alexa conference, actually, let's throw that shameless plug in there. Voice technology right now sits in this really interesting zone of everybody's playing nice, People are playing nice. Uh, you don't see Amazon in their zillion TV ads put up an ad up on the screen, throwing Google Assistant under the bus <laughs> or doing something ridiculous, you know, mocking Google Assistant. And you haven't seen it from Google either. Um, and similarly, in the development scene, you know, you're not seeing Alexa evangelists or Google uh, staff talking negatively about the other. It's just sort of in this coexistence zone. And that is going to change. And I can't say when, but at some point when the market matures to a sufficient degree, that will change. And it'll be interesting to watch how it affects hardware makers doing things like this, whether this will become this super rarity. Hey, can you believe one time long ago they had a TV or a sound bar with a multiple voice assistants in it. Um, it might become some sort of a relic and I, and I would actually count on it. So I don't know. I'm going to enjoy it while it lasts. I, I don't think it's a vision of the future, but I will be buying it. <laughs> <laughs> I will throw that in there. It looks pretty, pretty awesome. Story number five. It's two parter. Part one from geek dad. Amazon's echo dot kids is excellent for children. Five B from the Campaign for a Commercial-Free Childhood. Parents, stay away from Amazon's Kids. Now, if you're listening to this and you want to get a little bit of a primer on this, we just did an episode of the Voice First Roundtable with Melissa Campbell, who wrote the article in Story 5B on behalf of the Campaign for a Commercial-Free Childhood. But I wanted to present both articles here, and I wanted to get the take of the panel on the sort of the state of voice first technology and children and keisha i'm going to start with you what did you think of these two vantage points what do you think of the echo dot kids and uh, device in general do you think voice first technology is good for children bad for children good for children in moderation give me give me your overall perspective here
2: I will say I am a little biased toward Amazon Alexa. I was so excited when they allowed developers to start creating skills for kids. Um, I have three children, um, 17-year-old, 14-year-old, and 11-year-old. And my youngest is my daughter. And so as soon as I could start developing kid skills, I enlisted her help. And so I just, in general, have an overall passion to increase diversity in technology. And the way I do that is by exposing the younger generation to what's possible. And so my daughter and I, we created three um, Alexa Kids skills that we've published in the Amazon Alexa store. And so I'm just a huge fan of voice technology really being an entry point into tech, so I love that Amazon has a special device just just for kids, so it has access to kid-friendly skills, their parental controls, daily time limits, parents can see usage stats, so like things like how long the child has been using the device, what they've accessed, and so I'm a huge fan of it. My daughter actually has um, an Echo in her room, And she uses it on a daily basis. Now, on the flip side, I think the second story just really raised just the normal concerns around security and privacy. So what we do in my home, especially in my daughter's room, if she's not actively using her Echo device, I have her unplug it. Just because, you know, again, from a security and privacy perspective i'm not really sure about like what information is being collected or or how it's being used but just overall i love the echo dot kids edition so i
1: listened to that podcast the roundtable with melissa i read the stories i see both sides and i think you know to keisha's point i think that i think there's just some really really cool things that um you know can be tailored to kids you know i've I'm thinking about all of the, you know, like Katie Ernst and all the stuff that she's doing with the interactive stories. Uh Those are awesome. You know, those are really cool use cases specifically designed for children that I think children really would enjoy. Um, But, you know, you obviously have the cynical side that says, well, what about, you know, is it really appropriate for uh Amazon to be, and I think there's, a lot of what goes into the echo dot kid is that they won't take the data, but it's like, well, where is that data going to be? Are they going to be targeting my kid? You know, are they going to be, you know, I guess developing a sort of like a trait around who my kid is and, you know, basically starting to develop that early and so that they can hyper target that kid um, throughout their life. So I think that, you know, it's sort of like the broader, conversation around just technology general with kids and, and how, you know, like I look at my childhood, which was quite a bit different than my mom's childhood, which wasn't that much different from her mom's childhood. And then you look at like, you know, and what I mean is by the technology there. And now, you know, I'm my one-year-old niece, like the world she's going to grow up in won't even resemble the one that I grew up in. So every generation is just so much more disparate than previous generations. And so I think that it's just part of a conversation around, you know, how do you sort of incorporate technology because it's so pervasive in all of our lives uh, with children and for parents today who didn't really, they don't have a blueprint for this per se um, because they didn't grow up with it. So it's sort of like, I think everybody's learning as they go. And I think that, you know, for me, I look at this and it's like if you don't want to have a smart speaker around your kid, then fine. But I think that this is at least an attempt by Amazon to take a technology and make it more kid-friendly, and for me, that's a good thing.
0: Yeah, this is great commentary all the way around. This is this is a tough one. I um, and a lot of the issues were articulated, you know, in that episode of the Voice First Roundtable, but they bear repeating. I could have done without the candy-colored exterior marketing of the device. But it, <laughs> I could have done without that, you know, just seeing the child advocate side. And again, as I mentioned in the episode of the Voice First Roundtable, my father's been a child advocate, you know, working in a nonprofit role for 15 to 20 years. So I'm very familiar with the arguments that uh, folks from that standpoint uh, make and the perspective that they have. And yeah, I could have done without the, you know, the, the, the color scheme. But that's a minor detail. I... I think it's like anything else it, it's how you use it if it's used in moderation, if it's watched you know by parents or guardians or whoever on how it's being used, how the child's engaging with it you know Keisha, as you pointed out, which i wasn't even thinking about what goes on when you're not using it, unplugging it or where where it you know where it is what it's doing, et cetera, I think it can be very powerful and Keisha, you touched on something else too that came up in the uh interview I did with the CCFC author, the idea of using this device to cultivate interest in actually making Alexa skills, you know, making is so big for kids um, as it should be. It's just, it, it ignites the imagination and it causes brain development, you know, in different ways and gets young people interested in different careers. Like having this device be a portal into Actually, making something. I hope that that is the next step for Amazon. Hey, you have an Echo Dot, kids, or you've gotten an exposure to the Alexa and Echo ecosystem. Here, come on over here and let's make something. If that's part of the conversation, it just becomes so much easier, you know, for even people who are devil's advocates to see the value and for this to become less of a debate. Keisha, Dave. Thank you very, very much for joining us. Thank you for sharing your time. Thank you for sharing your insight. It's greatly appreciated.
2: Thank you, Bradley. My pleasure. Thank you,
0: Bradley. If you want to hear more from Keisha, more from Dave, more from a lot of other really great minds doing phenomenal things with Voice First Technology and specifically with Alexa as well, join us January 15th to the 17th at the Alexa Conference, Chattanooga, Tennessee, a great place. If you've never been there. You need to go. Uh, need to learn about it. It's phenomenal. Keisha is keynoting. Really excited about that. Dave will be there speaking. We'll have Oak Tree Products as part of the Alexa World Fair, which is the exhibit hall component of the show. There's a lot to be excited about that. Check it out. We'll have it linked in the show notes. Come be part of that. It's going to be awesome. Amazon is a major sponsor of that too. By the way, I should throw that in for. Season 2, Episode 19 of This Week in Voice. Thank you for listening, and until next time.